When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Another live Patriots Beat podcast. I'm Ryan Spagnoli of CLNS Media. Joined with me as always, my good friend Alex Barth of 98.5 The Sports Hub. Alex, how's it going today? You ready? Football's coming two, two nights it's away. Game week. It's game week, it's baby. Game. Yeah, right? It's like this weather has been so bad the last two days. I mean, it's football weather. I mean, come on pouring rain like this but yeah is not it's football, football weather that's football oh, come on you don't like no, a good game in the slop oh get out of here ryan i, I we not on a monday and road. tuesday after a holiday weekend no way that is not football weather you're out of your mind maybe fall, once man it's fall this is fall when it when you wake up saturday and it's like 55 and sunny and it's like a crisp you know that's football weather in new england at least at this time of year not pouring rain um but i am not a meteorologist nor do i care uh this is good that we get this rain out of the way and kind of focus in. The good thing is it's Tuesday. I keep thinking it's Monday. Game, what, four days away now? I mean, by the time people yep. listen to this, I guess not uh, live. It'll be, you know, coming close to game day. We'll obviously have a show today. A uh, little bit of a mishap. We, you know, a little bit of a miscommunication, I guess I should say. We're going to save that game preview for Thursday just because it's a little bit closer. Um, kind of talk a little bit more about the team. Uh, we get some news that came Big out over the holiday weekend. Right. And, thing, uh, yeah. and kind of do a live, live Q and a, and then Thursday shift the focus to a game preview, kind of some key matchups, uh, the whole nine yards there. So I guess the, the first news, I guess, catching up from over the weekend, Laquan Treadwell, a former first round pick, um, spent last year in Jacksonville, I believe was signed to the Patriots practice squad over the weekend. Um, just kind of another Bust first round wide receiver, um, 436 yards uh, last year in Jacksonville. I guess anybody who put up numbers there, they right. kind of just got overshadowed by how bad that team was and how much of a, I guess, a laughing stock they were under under Urban Meyer. But I think that's a team that's, you know, under right management could, you know, make some noise, make some make you know significant strides this year. Obviously, dependent on Trevor Lawrence, who I think is super talented, but. I guess any any thoughts on that? I know practice squad. We talked about it last show, but people are more uh, excited about their practice squad than their fifty three man roster. So I guess we should spend at least a little bit of time on that. Yeah, I mean he's an interesting player, six two two fifteen. He gives them another big body guy along with Jordan hum- uh, Jordan Humphrey to back up Devonte Parker. Career high numbers last year in a bad situation, and look, the numbers weren't great, right? But he put him up. You can't ignore that. And like you said, they've kind of done this before. You know, Corey Clement is a guy they've brought in and they had on the practice squad. Signings like that. Will he play this year? I don't know. But he's somebody I remember in that draft, and they didn't have a first-round pick that year. They lost it due to deflate gate, but there was some speculation they were still going to try to move up and get one. And I remember he was one of the guys coming out of Ole Miss that people thought they might target. So this could simply be a case of, hey, 
We liked him in the draft. It hasn't worked out. Let's just bring him in for a couple of weeks, get a closer look at him, see if what we liked at the time is still there, or maybe it's just not anymore. But, you know, with the 16-man practice squad, you have so many spots. To bring in a guy like that for that reason makes a ton of sense. So I don't know that he suits up with the Patriots this year, but it's, I, you know, there's, you're not going to find a much better use for that spot. Yeah. And like I said, you know, there's, there's not enough depth at that position, especially when you're ex receiver, right? I think Devontae Parker is a great addition. Somebody that's going to really help them on the outside and on the boundary is certainly a big upgrade for them, but you can never have too much depth considering, you know, his injury history, his hamstring problems. He's had ankle issues in the past, you know, a big physical receiver like that, you know, they're going to get their nicks, right? They play a physical style of game. Right. I guess it's, you, you can never have too many bodies out there, but. And you know um, what he helps you? I, I think this gets lost too sometimes in the practice squad discussions that guys might not be on the practice squad because the team has a plan for them in the regular season, but they may see a guy and be like, Hey, this guy would be really good on our scout team, right? A lot of teams keep like faster quarterbacks on the practice squad to prepare for, you know, guys like Lamar Jackson or, or, or guys like that. So a big body receiver, they're going to face a couple of those this year, especially early on. Maybe not as much week one. Miami's more like smaller, shifty burner guys. Week two, though, you got to deal George with Pickens. Chase Claypool, George Pickens. Like, they're going to have to contend with some size. So getting another big body receiver on the practice squad, not always a bad idea. And then it's a guy with the, the resume that Treadwell has, so his name stands out a little bit. And obviously the news of the hour with that open 53-man roster spot, the Patriots yep. have promoted James Ferentz. Um as that open spot um, made sense. He kind of a movie is kind of saw coming. I think Chasey oh, yeah. Hines was kind of their only interior back backup, true interior lineman. He was um, somebody that's had experience here has played, you know, a number of games uh, center guard depth, right? I guess you can never have too many of those, especially with how bad this offensive line is like how, how bad it's looked right in the preseason. <laughs> can you rip it up and throw him in? Like maybe if you, if, if push comes to shove and, things go super south, like just start throwing darts at the dartboard and find a combination that works. But, um, you know, obviously, like I said, depth offensive lineman, you kind of saw this coming. I'd be interested to see too on Sunday or, or Saturday when the practice squad elevations come up. I know Ty Montgomery and Isaiah Wynn did travel. I think yep. good news for Wynn. I'm not sure how much Montgomery, if he'll even go, um, considering his injury, he hasn't been out there um, at least last week. I know, it's always good news when they travel, right? So I think IR is out of the picture for him. Um, but who knows how much and if he'll even go. Yeah. I, you know, on, on Ferentz, you're right. Jason Hines was their only backup interior offensive lineman. And I just, he, he's a rookie, right? He's a rookie. He's a guy that missed time in camp. I think they want that veteran presence. We know James Ferentz is a guy they, they really like. You kind of saw it coming. You know, now they're up to that nine offensive lineman number where they usually like to be. Ferentz can also play some center. Hines can too, but he hasn't as much. Ferentz has worked with Mac Jones. He's he started games for the Patriots at center in the past. And now they're they're like the roster's full again, right? They've got 53 on the on the active roster, 16 on the practice squad with the Treadwell signing. On Montgomery, we've kind of gotten mixed messages, right? Mike Reese put in his notes on Sunday that he doesn't expect Ty Montgomery to play. And then Bill comes out today and says he traveled. So not really sure what to make of that one yet. I, I still think a running back, I, you know, I will see if he practices tomorrow. That's the big one. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, I feel like odds are he probably doesn't play. If that's the case, I think we see a running back elevated from the practice squad week one, probably JJ Taylor, maybe Kevin Harris, but I'd lean Taylor. 
I don't know that they'll go externally because if he is this close that he's traveling and we're getting mixed messages, I, I don't think he's going to be out for a long period of time, like you said. So it's all it's it's all encouraging with him right now. But the question is, again, does he play? And this is, you know, sort of big picture, right? I, like I said, I, I want to save the preview and, you know, diving into the X's and O's and key matchups and what to look for for Thursday show, just because it's right. a little bit more pep in your step when it's Thursday and the game's almost here. We've still got a little bit of ways to go. But I think a big discussion or conversation this week is just how ready this team is, right? Because the, the last time we saw them, it was not good, right? They, they kind of left right. – that media availability with a sour taste in all of our mouths. Right. And it's kind of been negativity and it's kind of like one of those games where it's, it's one of these, like, what are you going to get? You don't really know, but you know, I think, I think it was Phil Perry on the 98.5 simulcast on NBC sports, Boston dove into it a little bit yesterday uh, when he was filling in for Zolak and Bertrand a little bit about the Patriots, this, I guess, realm or this, I guess notion that they struggle so much in Miami is more so later in the year, right? I think they've had some success early on. I mean, the fact that they left early was a big head scratch to me. This is like their earliest they've ever left. Like this is like a Super Bowl week you're leaving this early, you know, or like an AFC championship game where you're going to Denver and you got to play in a high altitude and it's really cold. Like you've been practicing in this. I remember two, three weeks ago in the Boston area for you listeners who aren't here, it was 95 to 100, like in the dog days of camp. How how much ready do you really need to get for a game like this? Like, is it that much different? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not suiting up. I'm not down there. But it's it's a head scratcher to me as to why they're going down so early. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's in their head a little bit. I do. Right? It feels like it. Certainly does. I, the, the un, I, I think it's a factor, like you said, early in the year, it's not as much of a factor. I mean, look, Bryant, that's, it's an FCS program, went down and almost beat FIU last weekend, an FBS program. Same trip. I don't believe they went down early. So there's that. I, I, I do think it's in their head a little bit. I do think there is a factor to it. The players did say that it is a factor even this early in the year. The bigger one to me, though, you know, I, I think if, if they're trying to look at it and saying, hey, what's gone wrong? I think people are maybe understating the Brian Flores factor in this. Flores knew them inside and out. I know Mike McDaniel's gotten all these flowers this summer. I, I don't think he's really earned any of it. I'm not saying it. that I'm not saying that he can't be a great coach. I'm saying he's getting respect like he already has proven something and he really hasn't as a head coach. So that to me is the bigger thing. But hey, if they're going down early, I mean, I don't think it can hurt, right? No, I, I don't know, know that it's necessarily going to help, but I don't think it'll hurt. Right. I mean, but it's just like game week, like Zolak talked about it today. Like you want to stay in your bed. Like what you do, they typically leave Saturday morning, right? Like this is, this is like, like you said, AFC championship game. You're going to Kansas city or, or Denver, right? Where it's, it's a big, um, I guess adjustment from what you're used to playing in. Like this is just a lot of these guys have been here, done that. And it's, I guess it's girly or good. They get this game out of the way early in Miami, right? Like you said, they should be used to something like this. Um, this is just a house of horrors, right? Like it, it's seemingly every time they play, it's the same game. Like they just come out, right? They, it's three and out. It's a quick turnover. They're trailing the whole game. It's always close. Like they never really get blown out down there, but it's like, they're always playing from behind. They're one or two steps behind one play behind. So there's always this notion, but I mean, with how bad this camp went, I, like I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and lay an egg, but I'm kind of on the, uh, on the side where like, Hey, I, you know, I'm a little optimistic this week. Like they're going to surprise us a little bit with 
how many, how much adjustments they made with the closed doors, right? Like how much did they really want to show us in camp with this new scheme? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's, I woke up on the right side of the bed, but I'm being a little bit more optimistic and positive as to how, how this game will go. I don't know where you stand, but. It's a tough matchup. It, it, it's a tough matchup. I think in, in a lot of ways, these two teams are kind of at similar points. I think they are two teams with good rosters that still have significant question marks with the Patriots. It's their offensive line. It's the offensive system with the dolphins. It's Mike McDaniel and it's Tua. right? Is Mike McDaniel, the real guy and can Tua do enough in this offense. That's really tailored around him to get them where they need to go. Basically. Can he look like the Tua that's played the Patriots the last three years in every single game? Because he's it's, he's he shredded them. He shredded the Patriots. Do a shred of the Patriots. It's happened. Uh, that that's kind of where I'm at with this one. I think it'll be a close game. I don't think it's like the automatic loss. Some people are checking it or are, are you know checking Tua, it. To Tua be. is is thirteen and eight as a starter, and he's three and over as Patriots. It's yeah, a five hundred five hundred starter without if you if you take out the Patriots. Like I, so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's the not that he's necessarily won you those games, right? They've done a really good job of getting timely turnovers, and they've controlled the defensive side of the ball. Which, like you said earlier, I give a lot of credit to Brian Flores. He's not there anymore. Um, right. You know, I know they have the same offensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, for the last three years, but I think that was more of a de facto D, D coordinator, right? Like Flores, there's no question he ran that defense out, and they have some good I mean, players. Boyer, I don't Boyer was short. here. Boyer was here. Boyer knows them well too, but it's not. It's it's a little different to me. Right. So, like I said, not too much on that game. We're going to save a lot of that for Thursday. I think there's a, there's a couple key matchups, but I just wanted to to test the water, see how you were feeling. Like I said, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic today. Maybe I'll change my mind on Thursday. I don't know what it is that this rain's going away. That could be it. But I guess kind of in that weird time of week, right, where there's not a game to break down. Typically, these Tuesday shows, we'll we'll dive into the prior game, right? So next Tuesday, we'll talk about the Miami game. We'll save the Thursday game for a breakdown or a preview of, of Pittsburgh. So football is back, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football odds, news, and games matchups, including this year's opening week's games. BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. It is always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head on over to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use promo code CLNS50 to receive your awards. BetOnline, where the game starts. Kind of this last in-between-ish kind of show, however you want to call it. Um, kind of take some live questions, right? Like uh, how you guys are feeling in terms of week one and anything you guys want us to answer. Me and Alex can go back and forth and talk ball all day. So if you have any questions, drop them in the chat and we'll do our best to, to get to as many as possible here. Yeah, just as we wait for the questions to come in, I mean, I think the uh, the big picture thing now, right? When you look, I see people talking, this is a must-win game, right? I, I, I think this schedule's in blocks. There's a four-game block at the beginning. That's Miami, Pittsburgh, home against Baltimore at Green Bay. Not easy, not to. I mean, it's a decent stretch of schedule. If they can go two and two through there, which I think Speaking is speaking of that, right? I know you're not a big predictions guy. Not to cut you off, right. but any anything to throw it out there where you're kind of feeling? Because, like you said, it's a the tough first four weeks. Then they kind of get October to. That's a right. big like. Okay, we can find our team. It's some, some easier opponents. I don't know where you stand on that, but so, so here's my, 
here, here's, here's how I break it down. I, you can call us the best case scenario if you want. At Miami, at Pittsburgh, home versus Baltimore, at Green Bay. Got to go two and two through that stretch. I don't think that's unrealistic. Pittsburgh should be a win. That team's not good. They should get one of Miami or Baltimore. One of those. At Pittsburgh, at, at, at the Packers, tough game. Tough game. They can steal that great. If you go two and two through that stretch, you're sitting okay. Then you have versus Detroit, at Cleveland, obviously without Deshaun Watson, versus Chicago, at the Jets, versus the Colts, and then the bye, and then at the Jets. Like, the, is, it, is it out of the possibility you're 5-0? and oh? Those after after week four, like it's it, those are winnable games. Like they should be favored in pretty much every game. So, Maybe Indy. Indy's I, a tough five one. and zero after week four. I don't exactly get what you mean by that, but that's a six game stretch. Six games. Maybe, sorry. Maybe maybe a trip up in there. Maybe I mean like Colts gave the Colts gave him trouble last year. The Jets is a division game. You never know. But let, realistically, I think five and one isn't asking for too much from that stretch. Nope. Five and one. Lions, Browns, Bears, Jets, Colts, Jets with the bye in the middle, five and one. So, okay, if you go two and two through the first couple and then you go five and one, you're now seven and three. You're sitting pretty good at seven and three heading into Thanksgiving. Now here comes the flip. After that last Jets game, short week on Thanksgiving at the Vikings. Then you play the Bills for the first time. You host them. That's another Thursday game. Then you got to go out west at Arizona. At the Raiders, and they'll probably they'll stay be out staying west out there. that week. They are right. Yep. Then you got to play the defending AFC champion Bengals at home, at my uh, home against Miami, and then at the Bills to close the season. That is a tough stretch, and this team hasn't necessarily closed things well the last couple of years. Right? They haven't. If they can just go four and three in there, and look, it's a tough stretch. But Arizona's falling apart late in the year at times. Minnesota, the circumstances are tough, but I don't know that that's a tough game in terms of the opponent. Can they find two wins between two games against the Bills, the Raiders, and the Bengals? Can they find two wins in those five games? If they go four and three in that stretch, based off what I said, the two and two, five and one, they're an 11-win team. That gets you in the playoffs. Let's say it's three and four on that back stretch. That's still 10 wins. So I think probably around there. I think probably around nine to 10 wins. I mean, the and biggest, I and I had said it last year, right? I forget what their record was, but it started with the Jets game, and that's when you really saw Mac Jones come out. You had six games. It was the Jets, tw- uh, the Jets, Titans, Browns, uh, Houston was in there. It was, a, it was a stretch. I mean, if you had their schedule up there, and I had said, if you go 5-1 and one over this stretch, you're a playoff team, and everyone, you know, ripped on me that's not possible and then look what happened they were a number one seed in December and obviously everybody knows how it came out but if you can take advantage of those I guess those light spots in your in your schedule it's gonna go right. a long way like this isn't a they, must they have game to week go. one, but this is a team you're gonna be probably battling with I, I put the Dolphins in a similar category right a 9 10 yeah it, well, like I said ceiling of 11 team. wins like these games especially divisional you could look back on this game at the end of the year and say, man, I wish we had that one, you know, fighting for a, that could be the difference of, you know, going to, going to Kansas city in the first round or going to Pittsburgh, right? Like however it shakes out, but those little games early on in the year, they all matter. I mean, there's only a 17 game schedule. So um, I guess this is another one too, because we, we haven't seen much of how they'll be running the football. I think this is an interesting question too. Who's going to be RB one Damer Stevenson. And I, I bring this back to, I think it depends 
on what their plans are with Damian Harris after this year. I think they view him as a team captain, somebody that's, you know, a leader in that locker room, um, you know, kind of that driving force of, of that new wave or, or culture of Patriots players, but he's a free agent at the end of the year, right? And coming off a 15, 16 touchdown season, like he hits the open market. I can guarantee you he's going to get more money than the Patriots will offer. him. Is that a guy that takes less to stay here to, to, to continue building what they started? You know, his relationship with Mac Jones, everybody knows that, but if they don't view him as their future plans, I think you run Damian Harris wild and, and, and just use them like a, you know, a, a new car that you're going to sell, right. As, as blunt as that sounds like, but yeah. if you have a plan for both of them, which I'm okay with, you know how these running backs break down. I have no problem with, you know, a 60, 40 split, 50, 50 split. I think both of these guys are capable of carrying the load. Um, and I, like I said, I'd, I'd love to keep Damian Harris here. I think that's a guy that they value and somebody that's really good in that clubhouse um, or locker room, talking baseball here, uh, in that locker room, I, I hope that he stays. But I think it just it depends on how they view the future of him, if that makes sense. I don't know where you stand. Yeah, I, so I, I think people have this misconception of RB1. And I remember we did this last year with, with Harris and Sony when we didn't even know Stevenson was going to be in the picture. Like, they think it's like Madden or whatever. We're like, hey, like, who's going to be the starting running back? It's irrelevant. They're They're going to split the carries relatively even now if Stevenson's going to contribute more as a pass catcher that could mean Damian Harris gets more like traditional carries because that's going to be more his role they're not going to play any back more than really 50 percent of the time that's never been how they do it they rarely go over 40 like if, if if one of these guys gets 50 and Stevenson might have a chance this year but you know you're talking about like 52 53 percent when you're talking about RB1 for the Patriots, what it really means, if, if you want to actually know what the question means, RB1 for the Patriots is more situational than, than volume. It's quality, not quantity. It's not who's going to get the most touches. It's who's going to get the important touches, right? Two-minute game, or, or sorry, one-score game. They got the ball, two minutes to go. Who are they giving the ball to to run out the clock? Third and inches. They want to run it. Who are they giving the ball to? Down on the goal line, who are they giving the ball to? I still think that's Damian Harris. They like, like you, you said, and you gave a bunch of reasons why they trust him. They believe in him. They like him. I still think he's the RB one in that sense. That doesn't mean he's going to get significantly more carries or more playing time than Ramondre Stevenson. Again, I think it's going to be about equal. I think Stevenson may even play more, but when it comes to the gotta have it running play, I think it's still Harris. Right. And, and, you know, uh, like I said, I, I think it's going to be the same as last year. I don't see anything substantially changing. I mean, Ty Montgomery being in the picture, I think they can get a little bit more creative with him. I think it'll be cool to see him fully healthy and how they, they truly unleash him because I think that's a player that – I guess that's my hot take for the year. You look back in six months, I think that'll be one of their best signings this offseason simply because of what they can do with him. I think that's a true do-it-all guy. Uh, it's just getting him back on the field and, and staying healthy. Um I don't know if you have any questions you want to pull up here. I, I like this one. You know, do you have more confidence in our defense or our offense this week to show up? I, I just have to say the defense. I think that's one area, and we can get into this more on Thursday, Alex, where they can really exploit the Dolphins. I think if there's a true edge where the Patriots win by a large margin, it's the front seven. That front seven versus that offensive line, uh, it's, been a, it's been a struggle for the Dolphins for some time. They got Austin Jackson, right. who's their right tackle. I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing them line up Judon on that side to kind of take advantage of that. Um, they kind of have some, uh, I forget their center's name. He came over from, from Dallas. 
I, I think that's a true through the middle that a gap right Lawrence guy Christian Barmore Devon Godshaw like they right. can really exploit them and I think if if you give Tua uh, I mean this just goes without saying but with with how much speed they're going to have on the field with with Tyreek Hill Jalen Waddle Cedric Wilson people forget him I thought he was one of the receivers I wanted on the open market somebody that was whenever his name was called in Dallas made a big play he's another guy with speed with some yak ability so it's getting pressure on him, not letting these guys to create lanes for him. You don't want to get them the ball in space. Uh, but if there's one area where the Patriots can win this football game, I think it's their front seven. Yeah, I, I feel better about the defense just because, again, it's been the best unit throughout camp, that pass rush, that front seven. We'll see what the corners do. I mean, they're going to be tested, but people have been putting the numbers up all week. Uh, Taylor Kyle's had a great thread on it. Jonathan Jones has been very successful against Tyreek Hill in the past. I, I I feel better about the defense. That might say more about the offense than the defense, but I feel better about the defense. Yeah, I'd say so too. I, it, more so just the offense hasn't shown us really anything. Right. Um, Why would you be confident in the offense at this point, I think, is the is the question. Right. Okay. Uh, I guess any more questions, Alex? I don't know if you have we, any. We had, any more ba- we had some more back there. Uh, I'm trying to scroll up. There's a couple hot takey ones in there. We'll... Uh... We'll skip those. Okay, this is an interesting one, actually. No fullback, only two tight ends, much less of a smash-mouth roster than it's been in the past. What does that mean for the running game? Yeah, I, I mean, you got four new starters along your offensive line. That too. Uh, you know how much they valued the fullback with Jakob Johnson, James Devlin before him, right? Um, I think they prided themselves on, on a smash-mouth team, like you said, somebody that's going to – we're going to run the football until we can't. And we're going to, you know what I mean? Like uh, that, that's a situation where, yeah, they could take a step back. You know, how good are Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson with a mediocre offensive line, right? You know how much they value the tight ends when running the football. I think if you're going to spread it out a little bit and run some of these, uh, you know, these zone reads that, that takes a little bit out of that. So um, that, that is, I wouldn't even say that's a hot take. I think that that's a cause for concern for a team that, that prided themselves on running the football for the last, you know, 12, 15 years. Right. I think when you make the changes they made, the outside zone stuff, right? It's running. You're, you're running the football in a different way. There's more than one way to run the football. If the running game takes a leap backwards, to me, it's not because they don't have no fullback and only two tight ends. It's because they're trying something that maybe isn't a stylistic fit. Um, and that, that new style happens to not involve a fullback. And actually, the, the two tight ends thing, I, I think, is less relevant here. But the, the, the fullback thing is interesting. The, the other thing is the two tight ends, in some ways, I wonder on the goal line might help just because if there's no third tight end active, guess who the third tight end is going to be when you get down on the goal line, you want to run the ball. Offensive lineman, probably Justin Huron, maybe Yadin Caduce. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. This is a good question, too, here. What's the plan for Tyreek Hill? What's the plan in coverage? This, this, this is a staple of the show. We like to map out the coverage plan. What do you think? Yeah, for me, I think you you trust John Jones, right? I know he primarily, or at least Tyreek in Kansas City, was more of a slot guy, right? Like, I know they had Jones kind of follow him all around simply because he's probably the only guy that can run with him and is physical enough to be able to contain him. But like you said earlier, he's done a really good job, and those two have matched up a lot over their career. I'd say, what, six or seven times, right? It seems like Really, ever since Jonathan Jones came into the league, he's been you know lining up across Tyreek Hill. So I, I think that's your that's your stopper. Uh, they seemingly always did have some help with him, right? You saw McCordy. I'm just dating it back to the COVID year. Um, 
when the Patriots went out to Kansas City, they did have a little bit of safety help simply because he was really the only guy on that roster that could stretch the field. You have Jalen Waddle now, right? So those are two speedsters that you have to account right. for, and, and, and you can't double both of them because then it opens the door for, you know, Mike Kosicki and Cedric Wilson, right? These are matchup things that we'll talk about uh, on Thursday, but um, I'd trust Jonathan Jones to be able to hold his own against Tyree Kill. Um, and and Jalen Waddle, I'd probably put Jalen Mills on him. Uh, I, I don't know how much you trust Marcus Jones, a rookie corner, somebody that, like you said, like I said earlier with Jones, it probably has the speed and the, and the physicality to match up with him. But I'm going to go with experience uh, with there with with Waddle, and I mean that's your that's your top cornerback. So uh, he's going to have to line up across these guys and get tough matchups. So I guess pick your poison. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it is it is man uh, John Jones on Tyree Kill. I think as long as that's worked in the past, you you probably have a backup plan ready to adjust out of that. But it's worked in the past. I think you kind of keep rolling with that, right? If, if it's going to work, you keep trying it. I think they throw Marcus Jones in the fire here. I think you see him involved on Waddle, uh, maybe with Jalen Mills as well. I think it's going to be one of those things where that's where the help will be, and they'll basically force Miami to – they're going to force Tyree Kill to win one-on-one. If he wins one-on-one, they adjust. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but that's sort of how they've played Tyree Kill in the past when he was with the Chiefs. Now, was that more about Tyree Kill or more about Patrick Mahomes? It's tough to tell. We're going to find out. I was going to say, I mean, it's you have to factor the quarterback into this too. Right. right? Like Patrick Mahomes is a much better quarterback than well, Tua. So, but it's tricky because in the past, like the way – Bill kind of talked about this this morning, that when you look at the offense Mike McDaniel ran in San Francisco, massive percentage, the biggest percentage in the league came on yards after the catch. When you're defending two in the past, the book was back off, take away the deep ball, or, or sorry, push up, um, make him test you deep and just take away the underneath stuff. The Patriots always struggled to do that. That's doubled down now because you're in an off, you're facing an offense where Yak is at a premium and you have uh, the best Yak guy in the league in Tyree Kill and a guy who will probably be on that list. The only reason I'm not putting him on that list is he's a rookie, right? We got to see him do it again, but it's, it's going to be tricky to see how they do it. We just had a couple other good questions here. Come in and keep them coming, guys. Uh, how do you feel about Kyle Duggar heading into the season? Big piece of our defense. I think that's somebody that it, it, we heard about at all camp, right? When we were doing these shows, Alex, why hasn't Kyle Duggar been talked about enough? You know, how does he look? We haven't heard his name much. And then he goes on that Friday, he goes and knocks a 325 pound lineman right on his, right on his butt. Um, just coming down and, and absolutely smoking him. So that that's a guy who's a gamer. He's going to show up on Sundays, um, but a big piece for them moving forward. I think that safety room, arguably Bill said it. I think it's, it's no secret. That's, that's the deepest and most, talented positional group on their roster. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think him with Adrian Phillips, even a guy like Jabril Peppers, those kind of those tweeners that can play down in the box, kind of as that extra linebacker in some cases. Uh, I think that's a guy who's gotten substantially a lot better uh, since his rookie year. And, and if you remember too, his rookie year came from D2 and it was right. COVID. He had no preseason, no training camp really, or extended, you know, I guess brief training camp where they really weren't doing much. It was kind of in groups. And look how much he's he's kind of, uh, I guess, blossomed. So big piece of their defense. I would say one of their more important defenders. Look for him to take a big, what's this, his third, third year in the league. Big third, third year, big third year so, leap for him. Yeah. No, I, I mean, we talk about the year two jump all the time, just relative to the Patriots and their rookies. There's a year three jump as well. It's maybe not as big, but that's kind of last year. You see that significant jump. Generally, by year three, you, the end of year three, you kind of have an idea of who a player is going to be. They might still improve, but not at the, you know, 
massive jumps you're you're going to see early on in their career. So it's a big year for Kyle Duggar. If he does take another big jump, I mean, you're talking about one of the best safeties in the league at that point. So good test for him early on. The Dolphins, he's as well as he's played for the Patriots last two years, the Dolphins have kind of picked on him a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does, how they use him, how he responds to all that. All right, here's a question I know a lot of people want the answer the, the, to. The Ryan. chat's favorite player, as yes, we say. Yes, everybody's favorite player. Uh, what do you I, got? I, you know, I know people took a ton of stock in that he was running with the ones when you kind of got that first look at their defense at home game versus Carolina. I'd be surprised if he plays more than Mac Wilson. Um, I think that's somebody that has shown really since he ever got here, like this is the place to be. It's a scheme fit for him. I know it didn't work out in Cleveland, but we've seen it a million times with these guys. Um, so, I, I mean, is he not going to play? No, he's going to play. I think it's it's not as much as maybe people think. Like, you're, I don't think you'll be talking about Jelani Tavai as much as you are now next week, right? I think Mac Wilson's easily the better player and somebody that um, I think they view as one of their top linebackers. And I know they play kind of a similar position too. Tavai's going to play, man. He, Bill told you last month that he's going to play and people, who's he going to play over? Like who, who are you? He's probably, I think he's going to rotate next to McMillan as that second outside linebacker next to Bentley. And I think he's going to play over Mac Wilson. I, they like him. They really like it. And this is to start. Maybe they see him getting beat in the regular season and they scrap it. Everything they've told us is he is going to play at this point. And I'm not necessarily saying that's what I would do, but at this point, everything we've seen them do and everything we've heard from them and all of that, it would be a surprise if he's not, and I'm not saying he's like an 80% snap guy, but high forties. That kind of sounds about right based on the way they're talking about him. I'm just saying, be ready for it. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. Here's a question for you. What do you guys think of Anthony Jennings? Some folks think he'll have a breakout year. Uh, If if you were to tell me two months ago that we'd be talking about Anthony Jennings being a a big piece to this this defense, I would have said you're crazy. I think anybody would have, right? I mean, we saw it for years. Uh, COVID year, he, he kind of got forced to play. Everybody knows the roster and with, with all the opt-outs, right? And then last year was on IR. Kind of similar to Ronnie Perkins, how his start happened, right? He kind of just got passed and, um, you know, books certainly not closing him. Obviously, it's not something you want to see from a second-year player, especially with a top 100 pick. But I guess Anthony Jennings is a, is a true look that, you know, an example that, hey, it's not really over. It just takes some time. But I think this guy's a, a, going to be a good player for them. I mean, it's you're, you're trusting a lot in him, right, with Josh Uche and Anthony right. Jennings, right? They're, they're being forced to play because, quite frankly, it just there's a lot of turnover at that position, right? And this is the time where you want to get younger, you want to get faster. These are the guys that have to step up. But I think speaking from his summer, he had a really good camp, somebody that, that caught the eye of, of everybody I think from day one, and certainly deserved a big role on this team. But uh, somebody that'll play off ball, I think you'll see some get him some reps at at edge. Um, you know how good is he going to play? That that's yet to be seen. But it, just from training camp and preseason, certainly deserving of of the role he's going to be placed in on week one. Yeah, the thing with him, I like. I don't know that he needs to be a big time sack guy. I think he just needs to do enough to to garner attention so teams can't totally focus on Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore. I actually think week one's a really big game for him. What I liked most about him coming out of the draft, and I was a big fan of his coming out of the draft. I liked that the Patriots took him. I was the one telling everybody three months ago, don't write him off just yet. Like there's still talent there. 
that uh, 2019 is last year at Alabama. I mean, that was a you know great Alabama defense, like most of them are. They had first round picks left and right in the secondary. You know who led that team in pass deflections? It was Anthony Jennings because he's so good. One of his best skills, he got long arms, right? He can get in those passing lanes and get his hands up and take those lanes away and knock the ball down. I think that you look at how many times they got beat last year on like quick slants, RPOs, right? Especially against Miami. That's how Miami killed them last year. You need a guy who can impact the passing game when the other team doesn't give you enough time to get to the quarterback, right? Those quick slants doesn't matter how good of a pass rush you are. You're not getting there in, you know, a second, second and a half. That's remember against the chargers in the playoffs, Tom Brady, there's that mic'd up clip of Bosa saying like, Hey, stop throwing the ball so quick. You're not even giving me time. Anthony Jennings is a guy who can do that. So Calvin always really good at that last year. He had 11 pass breakups. I think he was a good player. Um, but this, that, that's what I'm looking for from Jennings. I like that they kept him. I like that he's going to play a role. I want to see how he impacts the passing game beyond just, you know, a, a textbook pass rush. I did see this, but I cannot find it in the chat, but it was in regards to Kendrick Bourne and his way of kind of what's going on with him. Is he going to yeah. be able to find a spot or I guess pick up where he left off last year, right? Cause that was a guy that down the stretch was one of their key go-to guys for Mac Jones. And, and I think, was one of their driving forces and really when their offense took off, right? It's a yak guy, somebody that can kind of play all over the formation. Uh, another guy who's a leader, you know, a high energy guy, guys who seem to love, but it has not been a good summer for him. And I know Troy Brown talked on Monday with regards to the depth chart and, you know, they're just going to play the best guys. I'd be interested to see how much we see him, right? Like I would not be shocked if he's in the normal role that we're used to seeing. I mean, I don't know the percentage of snaps he played last year, but, um, I would be sh- wouldn't be shocked if he's you know demoted or something. You know what I mean? Like you haven't really heard much about him. And somebody who has had a quiet camp, but like Duggar, that's a gamer. Somebody when the lights shine and on Sundays he comes to play. He's not a camp guy. We've talked about it for years. But your thoughts on Bourne um, and, and what to expect there? I think he'll be fine. He's still a baller. He's and, and he's got a good rapport with Mac Jones. Good chemistry with Mac Jones. I, is he going to play as much as last year? I don't know. But you add Devontae Parker to the rotation, somebody who's going to play less. I still think he's going to be a factor. I'm not as worried about him as some people. What's your starting line? We got, uh, assuming, we'll do with with win and without win. Sure. So with win, Brown, Strange, Andrews on Wenu, win. Without it, you go Brown, Strange, Andrews on Wenu, is it Kajust? Like, who? I don't know. I guess who's that swing tackle on the depth chart? I guess it's yet to be seen. We don't know, but I'm curious right. to see your thoughts. So starting line is going to be, assuming one's healthy, what it's been all summer. I see people thinking like, oh, they signed James Ferentz today so they can start him. One, I don't think so. Just because you would have seen it more this summer. Two, they could have started him anyway. They could have elevated him from the practice squad. I still think it's Brown, Strange, going left to right. Brown, Strange, Andrews, and when it went. I still think that's what it is. I, I don't know if, if Haran beat out Kajus for that left tackle spot. I, hopefully we don't find out, right? Hopefully both tackles stay healthy and play well. But I, I don't think this starting offensive line is going to be any different. I guess last one, too, before we, before we I guess, wrap up here. Uh, like I said, Q&A show on Thursday. We'll start to get into the nitty-gritties of this matchup as a whole. But another question for you, Alex. You're, you're a pretty popular guy around here. i got to earn my, earn my stripes. <laughs> Uh, at Alex Barth, do you think it's a good thing or bad thing that Marcus Jones might get thrown into the fire? 
you go ahead. The question's to you, and I, I guess I'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, traditionally they don't do this, so it's going to be very interesting to see. I I think we're going to learn a lot really quickly. I think he's a guy who's played a lot of ball. Five years at two schools. For a rookie, he's relatively experienced, right? Like five-year like contributor, not just spent five years. Five-year contributor at two schools. This is... This is why they drafted him for games like this to, to defend these kinds of players, this kind of team. I, I think you have to, you know, part of the critique about the Patriots the last couple of years. And part of the reason I think some of these draft classes haven't worked out is they've left these kids on the bench for like two years before they give them a shot. And the development's just not there. You got to play them. Eventually you got to find out eventually if they're real or not. That, I, that was I, my I, argument. Right. Like, outside of rare exceptions. And I was the guy last year saying they should probably sit Mac for a couple of weeks and wait. I know that. Outside of a rare couple of exceptions, I think you got to kind of throw these kids, especially like high draft picks, Marcus Jones, a top 100 pick. You got to throw them out there and see what they can do. That, and I don't know if you have anybody else, right? Like, assuming Jones is outside or, or I guess, shadowing Hill, like, I, I didn't, I don't know what I can get out of Miles Bryant. I think when he, last year, obviously, he was thrown into a tough spot in that Buffalo game uh, covering Isaiah McKenzie. But like you said, you, you got to learn at some point. And that was my point. Like, I think the reason why, I mean, I don't think they've drafted well. There's no question there. The talent, and they've had some head-scratching picks, but part of the reason, especially at that position, is they just take so long, right? You get past the depth chart. That's hard for a young player that's coming, especially a guy like Jones, who's played for five years, like played, played. And right. then you got to sit a year or be in a rotation and, and kind of get past on the depth chart. Oh, and then in two years, hey, you, you, you're competing for a starting job in camp. That's tough for a guy like that. Uh, mentally, yeah. physically, right, as a first-year pro. So I think he's shown everything in camp. I said for weeks I thought he was one of their better corners. Every time I was down there, he was making plays. Uh, and, and like I said, I think he's the only guy that opposite John Jones can run with Jalen Waddle. So right. um, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I, like I said, you know, this is kind of our last in-betweenish show in terms of, you know, carry over from camp and kind of these conversations that keep coming up Thursday, me and Alex will dive into the matchup, some things to watch for, I guess, just an yep. overall game preview. Uh, and then we'll be live next Tuesday, breaking down uh, the Miami game following Thursday, Pittsburgh game, you kind of chalk it up. Obviously there might be some changes here and there depending on the game week, but you'll see us on Tuesdays and Thursdays around yep. five o'clock. We're on a schedule now. I appreciate you guys sticking with us. It's been a kind of a crazy summer. I'm happy. The training camp is over. I had a little more pep in my step. I can't stand it. I know you're a big fan of it, Alex. I am not, uh, but football is finally here, like I said. So uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in. The, the chat was super active today, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on Thursday.